Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek! Hello and welcome everyone, this is So I Married a Movie Geek, I'm Chrissy McQueen. On my left is the bespectacled, not bespectacled, but what's the word? Bespectacled? Sure. Sure, he's wearing glasses. Justin Winters! Yay! Thank you, thank you. I can't say the word, I don't know why, what's wrong with me? Well, you're, you know, kind of put off by my over-resisting charm. He looks like Clark Kent, y'all. Over-resistable. Clark Kent? Yes. Okay, who do I look like now? Justin. You took no, you're supposed to say Superman. I mean Superman! Clark Kent? Yeah. Su- Superman! Thank you. You're welcome. Can you see without them at all? Not really. Oh. Well, then there you go. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> all right, kids. We saw two movies. It's a double feature day today. We saw Edward Scissorhands and a movie that has nothing to do with Edward Scissorhands. Inner Space. First movie's from 1990. Second is from 1987. Justin, you chose the movies. When you chose them, were you trying to correlate them at all or was it just a grab bag? Um, I knew I knew I wanted to watch Edward Scissorhands, but the second one was pretty much a Netflix, you know, streaming grab bag. So you'd seen Inner Space before, though, correct? Correct. Okay. Both both the movies are by directors that I like a lot, or really liked a lot when I was a kid. The first being Tim Burton, and the second being Steven Spielberg. No, the no? second one being Joe Dante. Oh, was it just produced by Spielberg? Uh, yes. I misunderstood. It's okay. Well, there you go. There you go. All right, well, let's talk about the first one for a second. I adored Edward Scissorhands. Adored it from beginning to end. It was a great movie. Uh, I can see why Johnny Depp was cast in this. In fact, I can't imagine anyone else doing the part. And yet, it's so different from other characters that he's played since then. It, it, it was kind of weird. I've gotten so used to seeing him as, you know, this Jack Sparrow type that I was like, who is this awkward kid with the funny walk and, and the giant knives for hands? But he was excellent. I agree. Can you imagine anyone else doing the part? Um, I can't. Those rumors that Tom Cruise was possibly in the mix. Oh, no. But, but no. I think this is uh, my favorite Johnny Depp role. Not Jack Sparrow? Outside of Jack Sparrow. Okay. I was going to say, come on. But, um, <laughs> I mean, he does a lot with the very little. He doesn't say a lot during the movie. No. And so it's a lot of, you know, facial expressions. Like you said, the way he walked, the way he, you know. But there's a subtlety. Uh, it's very Chaplin-esque. Yes. But there's a subtlety that belies his facial expressions because he's not making these big Jim Carrey, you know, faces. Where you go, okay, he's not saying much, but look at his rubber face. It, he kind of gives the same sort of su- surprised slash stoic look throughout the movie. But I think there's definitely something behind the eyes. Well, but, no, I mean, it's not just one look. No. I mean, throughout the whole movie, he's experiencing things that he's never experienced before. So there, everything's new and everything's like, wow. And the the world that he comes, <laughs> the, the town is like straight out of 1960s pop, you know, suburbia. Well, I just read a second ago that Tim Burton loosely based this on uh, being raised in suburban Burbank here in Los Angeles. I could see that, I guess, because it looks like they tried to place it in the early 70s or so. Um, I thought it was funny with all the different little pastel colored houses. I immediately thought of the theme song to Weeds from the first season or two. You know, little boxes, na-na-na-na. I was like, oh, this is what she meant. This is exactly what it is. And all the costuming was great, how they all wore these little pastel, horrible suburban outfits to somewhat match the the tone of the neighborhood. I remember turning to you at one point early on in the film, and I said, if I ever am like those gossipy women that circle around the hood... It's Desperate Housewives. Oh, no, shoot me. If I'm ever one of those women, shoot me. It is not Desperate Housewives. That... Does a disservice to 
Terry Hatcher, Eva Ligoria, March Cross, and Felicity Huffman. In what way? They aren't so inane, I guess. I mean, gossipy, yes, but... What, if, if Edward Scissorhands moved to, was it Mysteria Lane? Yeah. They would be, you know, they would be all up in his business to see yeah. what, what was up with him. But they, I don't think they'd be so much catty about it. I think that maybe other people, like, you know, superfluous outside characters might be. But they, as the core housewives, I think they would be relatively accepting. They would be curious, and even Gloria would be like, what the hell? But everyone else would be great. Felicity would like him. Susan would be like, oh, okay, well, you, you're you just the nicest. You know, they would make do. We should do a short character arc then on the next season. <laughs> that would be amazing if Edward Scissorhands like, just showed up on Wisteria Lane. Can you imagine the trailers? Less crazier things have happened on that show. So That's true. You are absolutely right on that. I mean, who would have thought that the guy from Showgirls would end up being such a great actor in, in playing Bree's husband for all those years? I mean, I didn't even watch the last couple seasons, but I know they had a tornado and mm-hmm. one of the guys was blind and now he's not blind anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much like a soap opera. Oh, and now they have a switched up birth story. We found out that one of Eva Longoria's daughters is actually not really her daughter, even though she's like six. I don't know. It's really gotten cheese bally. So yeah, but it's one of those shows you watch out of longevity if you've been watching it the whole time. Okay, back to Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> Tangent done. Here's my question: When we saw uh, Vincent Price's little. It wasn't a storybook, but it was almost like a blueprint for who Edward Scissorhands would become. We saw that eventually he had plans of giving him hands, making him look uh, a little more like a dashing young man as opposed to a freaky. Why did he not just go straight there? Why couldn't he have skipped the awkward, pale, scissory hands face and gone straight to hands? I'm just asking. It's a fairy tale. It's a fantasy. It... it there's numerous plot holes because it's, again, a fantasy and there's not a lot of logic to the movie. Yes, but... But, I mean, I, I, he he got the idea from that machine, you know, that was slicing vegetables or whatever was on the assembly line. It was eggs. Eggs. Yeah. So, right. why he did that, I don't know. Everything is so classic Tim Burton, though. It's funny because I've seen now, you know... It would be just Edward Hands. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be as exciting, you know, not exciting, but dramatic. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> Look at his hands. The way he, he pruned that bush, it took him five hours, but wow, that was exciting. He's really awkward. Does he has Asperger's or something? <laughs> he just has regular hands, but he's very, you know, withdrawn and socially awkward. And that was our autism joke of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie, man. I adore it, too. What do you think of Winona Ryder? I love Winona. Well, I, well in I general, a, I know you love her. I mean, I had a huge crush on her with this movie and uh, Beetlejuice and Heathers. Like, she, I know in this movie you didn't like the blonde hair. I, yeah, I didn't. It threw me off. And I don't dislike her ever. There's never a movie where I go, oh, I really dislike her in this. Oh. But... You thought Whereas, you thought Edward Hands was too good for her. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Well, yes, but yes, it was. No, I thought I can't see anyone but Johnny Depp doing Edward's role. I can see a lot of other people doing her role. Okay, just saying. She was easily re- replaceable in your mind. Yes, uh, although Diane Weist, another one, not irre- not uh, yeah, not replaceable at all. She was fabulous. Dude, Diane Weiss is like one of the best, she plays the best mom character ever. Yeah. Her and Alan Arkin as the parents go up as, you know. I love Alan Arkin. Two of the best parents on film ever. Did it remind you of your childhood at all? Because your mom is very sweet and optimistic, much like uh, she is. Um, no. My mom, <laughs> my mom never did Avon or whatever. I'm surprised. Uh, character. I feel like your mom would have been very successful at that. Because she's so personable, like I was saying, and very sweet. And I feel like if she wanted to sell me anything, like, I'd buy it. If she'd be like, hey, y'all should buy these hula hoops that are really cool because you can spin them and you can wear them around your waist. And you could, look, it's like walking the dog. Look, you set it this way, flick of the wrist, and then it comes right back to you. It's really fun. I'd be like, sign me up. I want five. 
I just think it's funny <laughs> that the whole um, movie starts off by, you know, Diane Weiss is the Avon lady, and she keeps going around to the same people in her neighborhood over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And they eventually say, okay, we're not buying stuff from you. So she looks up, and she's like, hmm, let me go up to the big scary castle. Again, so like your mom. She'd be up there, and she'd be like, Hi, y'all. I'm not trying to intrude. I just want to say hi. You know, see how you're doing. You know, she'd be very kind about it. And that's kind of how Diane Weiss was. Like, she came in. She was like, the door was open. <laughs> well, she was very nice throughout the movie, man. She. Yeah. She was the nice one in a sea of busybodies. She saw the good in him while others, yes. you know, kind of used him for his scissor hands. Well, here's a character question. When she very first met him. You know, within the first five minutes, she said, hey, how about you get in my car, come home, and stay at my place? Do you think that perhaps she was too trusting? Um, just maybe. I mean, he really could have been a bad guy or a serial <laughs> killer. If only for the fact that she had, you know, a waterbed, and that's where she let him sleep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about trusting, but she obviously wasn't thinking things through. Foresight. Yeah. Or telling her daughter, by the way, <laughs> just so you know, um, there's a strange man with Scissors for hands sleeping in your room. Don't be afraid. Because <laughs> Winona Ryder comes home early and there's a hilarious freak out. And she's like, oh my god, there's a guy in my room and he's in my bed. Runs to get her parents. And poor Johnny Depp just gets up and like, that, that's one of the, the That's one of the best scenes. Is he, walks, <laughs> he's, he walks out of the room and he's soaking wet. He's freaked out. <laughs> that was a great scene. Every time he got up and walked, I laughed. Every single time. Like he's at towards the end and it's you know, it's the Christmas season and he's walking by the houses and he has he has his hands in what I call puppy position. Like the the wrists are bent so the scissors just kinda hang down. He just kinda goes doo, 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 doo. <laughs> you know, and just kinda jaunts around. Well, I mean scissors are heavy, dude. Is he supposed to walk around with his hands up in the air? <laughs> Raise the roof. <laughs> Hey guys. <laughs> just, you know, Justin just did the movement from Team America with the puppet being like, give us the signal about that, That's not what I was doing. You totally did that. That's exactly what you no, just did. No, he's... Yeah, walking. you had your hands and then you he's, shook no, side he's walking. Side. No, I'm Edward Scissorhands with my hands in the air. Why, why were you shaking your torso? Uh, because I was walking. <laughs> like a duck. I don't know. I don't know. It was pretty good, though. Uh, okay, so more plot points. Let's plot talk... Points. Well... Yeah? Why are, you, why are you... So what did you think the message was behind the movie? What was the thematic content? Don't judge a, a book by its cover. Really? Especially if the cover has scissors? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, don't become a lynch mob if you all <laughs> a little community. Because <laughs> that became fun towards the end. That should be a blanket rule for everyone. Okay, so here's my question. Um... I took a few um, courses in college about sex, women, and racial studies. And I feel like if we would have watched this movie in that class, we would have been told by the teacher that it was symbolic that every single person in the Pastel neighborhood is white, except for the cop who is black and cares about Edward and, in fact, tells him to run away and pretends, you know, he shot him when he shoots in the air and then tells everybody, he's dead, he's dead, it's fine, it's been taken care of, let it go. I know that if I were sitting in that class watching this, they'd be like, oh, that was symbolic because he's black and he understands and he gets it because he's been ostracized and what it's like to be the underdog in a sea of pastel suburban sameness. What do you think? Am I reaching? Or it could be the fact that just Tim Burton didn't live around a lot of black people when he was growing up in Burbank or whatever. I mean, it could be. I don't know. Again, it's a fantasy, so I don't know how, how much reading into it is. Symbolism. Hmm. Look, how about the fact that Anthony Michael Hall is the heavy and he's like the a-hole in the oh, movie? Oh, he's such a douche. Such a douche. Douchey McDouche douche the douche. That's a bit of a turn from his, you know, playing Farmer Ted and Sixteen Candles, the, the nerdy geek in word science. He whatever. was so one-dimensional. Uh, I like my bad guys to have more than one dimension. Cal from Titanic had a couple dimensions. Oh, Billy Zane has multiple <laughs> dimensions. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> 
Oh why hasn't Billy? Why hasn't Billy Zane been in a three D, you know, thriller of some kind? He's done a few thrillers, not in three D. Although I think Billy no, Zane. I, I want to experience every dimension of Billy Zane. That's why <laughs> Billy Zane would have been perfect in this role. Can you imagine? In what role? In, in uh, Anthony uh, Michael Hall's role. Oh, Can yes. You imagine. Yes. That would have been amazing. You have to rob my house because my father has money and I can't have it. He would have been so terrorized by it where you would have been like, hmm, let's explore the relationship between he and his father as opposed to this blonde guy here like, douchebag! Wow. Come on. Oh, wow. Okay, let's recast it today. Who would you cast as Edward Sisterhands? Johnny Depp. Even at his current age? Dude, the guy hasn't aged very much. Oh, no, I agree. I'm just asking. Well, he's a robot. I mean, Edward, he's Scissor- a robot. <laughs> Edward Scissorhands is not a human anyway, so he shouldn't age, you know? Right. So, Who yeah, would bring- you cast in the female role? <sighs> I don't know. I don't want this movie to be remade. Oh, okay, fine. You know, I don't really want it to be remade either, but... I mean, this oh. is... Oh, can we go back in time? You know who I want to do at Step Winona Ryder? Back in time? Who? Drew Barrymore. Okay. She would have been great. I'm sure she was probably thought of for the role. She should have been. Cast. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Did you think the first time you saw this, obviously not now because I know you've seen this before. Okay. Did you think that because it's a fairy tale and fairy tales are supposed to have happy endings that at the end he would get hands and end up... Are we talking about the end now? Well, we all know that he doesn't get hands. Everybody knows that. Did I think he was going to get hands? Yeah, but when you saw it the first time, did you think he was going to get hands? Um, I don't think so, no. Hmm... I was fooled then. I thought about... Why would you want to change, you know, his uniqueness? I, I That didn't. was the whole message of the movie. It's supposed to, you're, you're supposed to embrace uniqueness in, in others and not, you know, be scared of them. Agreed. But uh, speaking of embracing, I thought that that would kind of be, you know, the ending is that he would get hands and be able to embrace Winona Ryder properly. I want him to have, like, gigantic hands. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? I don't know. What's with the movement, by the way? He just did a movement like his arms were puppet being puppeted around, and he just got ambled. And I'm thinking, if you had giant hands, would you need to do that? <laughs> like, pretend like you're a Barbie being handled with strings. <laughs> just asking. Earlier, you were like, why does he, when he walks, why does he carry his scissor hands low to the ground? Like... He should, like, do something with him or something. Here's a question. He assumed a few roles in the movie as far as, first, you know, he was a landscape artist. He was, like, the Mike Rowe of this yeah. movie. He had many dirty jobs. <laughs> <laughs> True. That was a good one. And then he was a groomer, and then he became a hairstylist. He got used throughout the movie, pretty he much. Did, yeah, and, used and abused. And Diane Weist even said, "You should probably charge for your services." He was like, "No." Well, that's the thing. He was like a total innocent, and everything that he did were selfless acts of him just being a lonely person and just wanting to do good for these people that he's just met and realized that he has cutlery skills with. Oh, and he ended up being an ice sculpturist by the end. I think that out of all of them, he was best as the landscape artist. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, do you know what I thought from beginning to end of this movie? I thought, oh, well now the musical Bat Boy makes a whole lot more sense. Not that it doesn't make sense standing alone, but they borrowed quite a bit of inspiration from Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah? You saw Bat Boy because uh, I was in it like four years ago. When was it written, Bat Boy? Uh, I assume, I might be wrong, uh, I assume it was the late 90s because they say it was based on the weekly world news story of the bat child living in the cave and stuff like that. I mean, this is a common story. Right. I mean, it's like the Beauty and the Beast or Hunchback of Notre Dame or... Right, but I mean, there are some serious similarities just off the top of my head. Like, the fact that he, in both Batboy and Edward Scissorhands, the protagonist... Uh, is rescued from the wild by a mother, mm-hmm. and um, 
everyone else is kind of standoffish and is like, oh, what is this beast that you've brought home? Frankenstein. Yeah, except for the mother who wants to uh, educate and acclimate the child. And uh-huh. then there's um, a, a precocious teenage daughter in both stories with whom he eventually falls in love. And for her, it's unrequited for the first, like, two-thirds of it. And then finally she comes on board towards the end. And he's driven away in both Stories in, in Matt Boy, it's a little different because there's some death involved. But in Edward Sisterhands, driven away to his castle. Well, I think Tim Burton for originally for Edward Sisterhands, he thought about doing it as a musical. Oh, that would have been amazing. Well, then again, we kind of have that in Bat Boy, I guess. So it is amazing. I don't know the choreography, dance choreography with Scissorhands might have been kind of fraught with peril. Or they would have made it amazing. Doing the robot with scissor hands? No. I mean, if Angel and Rent can dance around, you know, in platforms with with things, what are those, drumsticks in her hands and, like, drumming on crap on top of a table, Edward Scissorhands can, like, flail with his hands. That's not even close to the same. Well, he had something in his hands. He had drumsticks. <laughs> are you saying drumsticks are the same as giant scissor hands? No. Shut up. <laughs> There'd be like a couple deaths every performance. Every performance. I'm sure they would be doled and they would be made of some sort of cardboardy plastic thing. I doubt they would be like real cutlery. They'd have to have like an understudy conveyor belt pretty much for everyone dying. You'd be surprised. Props are deadly. I had a friend who once had a bull penis cane and he tossed it off stage and hit another friend in the eye and his eye almost got taken out. Like he was bleeding from the eye and was blind for like an hour. <laughs> Did it have to be a bull penis cane? It was. It, I swear to God, the cane was made apparently out of bull penis. That's what we all learned. And we were like, <gasps> Steve got taken out with the bull penis. That's gross. How yeah. how long was the cane? Um, It was like a walking cane. It was during Jekyll and Hyde. So the entire cane was made of penis. Yeah, because basically Steve was playing Hyde and I, I can't remember who threw it. Was it Ben? But he was like... Bah! And he threw it, and it hit him right in like the center of like where his eye meets his skin near the near his nose, in that like little corner. Like boom, and he bled and bled and bled, and was backstage. And we all came off after the number went. <gasps> That's dangerous. Yeah, and their understudy Cliff, I'll never forget, was pacing the aisle, going, "I might have to go do something stupid." So you got to be careful with bull penises or bull peni and Edward's sister hands. That's all I'm saying. Edward bull penis hands. <laughs> Look at my bull penis hands. Oh God! I will throw them at your eye. Ew, mom! I don't want the meat that he just carved. He did it with his bull penis hands. Okay, so what was your favorite scene in the movie? Oh, um, I, I I'm kind of a fan of when they do like a time lapse of several things, like when he basically. Did all of the landscaping of everybody's yard, and then you got to see the end result, like the like the dolphins jumping into the grass and out of the grass, and then the ballerina and the random teddy bear and stuff like that. And then the same thing when he became a hairstylist, and you saw each woman's hair do crazier than you know the one before it. I like those like little um, not medleys, but you know wh- whatever whatever's the proper film term for that montage. Thank you, montage. I like those little montages. Just because I, th- I felt they were interesting and creative. That's cool. What'd you like? Um, I think my favorite scene is when Diane Weiss's character takes um, Edward Scissorhands to the bank to try to get a bank loan. <laughs> That's like a really sad scene. Why would that be your favorite one? Because <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Because <laughs> um, they don't want to give him a bank loan because he has no credit. Or social security card. I know. Isn't that the saddest story ever? But he's like, I've got like four jobs now. I need somewhere to... I guess he's not getting paid. I thought that was sad. Wouldn't let him get a bank loan. Well, that's why Diane Weiss was like, what about these testimonials? And they were like, get a green card first. And then, you know, we'll talk. Green card? You want green card? (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything you didn't like about the movie? Um, I'm not 
not sure how I felt about, I mean, I guess it made sense, but about how they aged Winona Ryder 50 years, the beginning and the end, and they made it so, like, the whole contents, t- context of the entire movie was that she was telling the story about how Snow was created to, you know, to her granddaughter who wanted a bedtime story. I thought that was great. I remember seeing this around Christmas time when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And I just like the whole fairy tale aspect. It reminded me a little bit of uh, how Princess Bride was framed, you know, with the that's true the grandpa telling the story to the kid. But that maybe we, I just like you know grandparents reading stories. I like that too. But they used an actual older actor, and it was better. Like this was awkward because it was Winona Ryder wearing like sixteen pounds of makeup in a rocker, and it still sounded like young Winona Ryder. And she was just like. And then we had snow. So you wanted just to be a different actress altogether? Yes. Okay. That was my problem. But at least, hey, again, at least she was reading. Uh, if it would have been made today, the kid would have been like, whatever, Grandma, give my iPad back. Or She was kind of like up. that anyway. She was like, it's time to go to bed, sweet. And she's like, I want a story. And she's like, no, sweetheart, go to bed. And she's like, no, I want a story. So then she was like, all right, fine. Let me tell you again about the story of Mr. Edward Scissorhands. Right? My ex-robot lover. I would totally let my kids see this movie. Of course. There's nothing... I mean, I guess it gets kind of... Not scary, but... Well, I think that's why I didn't see it when I was younger. I don't know if my mom thought it was going to be too scary for me or what, but... Granted, I was like six. She was probably like, we don't want to get give Chrissy any more ideas. She might think that she could be Chrissy Scissorhands and cut That's her cut her long locks of hair off. I, I did. I did that with my bangs once. It did not go well. I did that with the center of my head once. Oh my gosh, you did? Do you yeah. have like a bald spot? Yeah. Oh no. I think I was like four or five. Me too. I was four. I was like, whatever. I'm experimenting. Yeah. My mom said I look like Jane Wyman. Well, Jane Wyman, not bad. <laughs> yeah, with the itty bitty bangs, like up at her, the very top of her forehead. <laughs> like um, Mia Farrow and Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, but you, do you know what occurred to me that I did? I was I didn't do it in front of a mirror. I did it looking up, and I didn't realize this. I was seeing my eyebrows the whole time. I thought I was still seeing the bottom of my bangs, and I was like. Ugh. So I use the baby scissors and I cut and then I look up again and I'm still seeing my eyebrows and I'm like, Ugh. and I kept doing it. And the whole time it was my eyebrows. I mean, you gotta let your kids experiment, man. If they want to <laughs> cut their hair, they'll see that it was just the whole, the wrong idea altogether. Well, they jab themselves in the eye with the scissors, though. Well, there you go. Don't let them be Edward Scissorhands for Halloween or whatever. Oh my gosh, my kid could totally be Edward Scissorhands for Halloween. That would be a great costume for like a five-year-old. What? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Are you kidding me? It feels like fake plastic scissor hands. Alexis Rose, if you are listening to this podcast, Claire, next year, she should be Edward Scissorhands. That's all I'm saying. Oh yeah, because girls, that's the next hot costume for girls for Halloween. Dude, she's got the perfect length of hair for it. Just use a whole bunch of mousse and hairspray and put it up. Put some pale makeup on her. Make her wear some sort of black cat suit. Tell her she's a cat when really she's Edward Scissorhands. Nah, she had like like an intense like black... (laughs) Get up. I know, wearing. but for a kid, you you just tell her. You'd be like, "You're gonna be a cat, sweetheart. You're a cat." And then you know, tape some sort of plastic vinyl scissors to to her hands. And when she asks what they are, say they're claws. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be so great. Do you think that Edward Scissorhands ever deserved a sequel, or do you think that the one movie was? I think it was a good standalone movie. Yeah. I really do. You didn't think he would come down from, like, his castle to try to work at Home Depot or something? <laughs> well, I mean... It, the, Sharp, sharpen other knives? Right. Well, that's that's a good show that, that he's a great character or that you want him back. You want to see him do other things, you know. It's, and that's also a sign of, good, of a good book. When you read a good book and you hope that, you know, it becomes like a series. But... The story itself was so good that you don't want to mess it up by sequeling it. Yeah. I think. It makes me kind of sad watching this because I remember how big of a fan I was of Tim Burton because he made Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, and then Edward Scissorhands. That's a pretty good first four movies, man. Right. And now he's kind of like doing like Alice in Wonder, Planet of the Apes, all this stuff where I'm like, what happened to that original like 
storyteller, you Still know? Still did Nightmare Before Christmas, which was fabulous. Again, that was another good one. And he did another one um, with uh, Johnny Depp. Was it... Was that Willy Wonka? He's done a lot of stuff with Johnny Depp. Right. Yeah, Willy Wonka. It's not my thing. I like the original. But, again, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Nostalgia. I agree. But, you know, you can't judge a person based on what they've done for you lately. You just got to judge them on the whole canon of their work. Why can't I? That's American. What have you done for me lately, Tim Burton? Jeez. Steven Spielberg has made a few bad ones, too, along the way, hasn't he? Yes. Well, then, and we still love him. Okay, I guess we still have Edward Scissorhands. There is room in our heart for Tim Burton. Beetlejuice. Yes. Now, I really want to watch Nightmare Before Christmas now. (laughs) Oh, such a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. Okay, so what would be your final grade for Edward Scissorhands? A. A. It might be one of the first A's I've given on this podcast. Uh, You really like Shawshank. I did. Uh, Shawshank and Edward Scissorhands are a couple of my favorites that we have reviewed for this. I'm just saying. Gotcha. I love the movie as well. And now, sliding downhill into a less good movie, Inner Space, with Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, and Meg Ryan, among others. Directed by Joe Dante, who also did a lot of um, really good movies, chief of which, for me as a kid, were the Gremlins movies. Which I never seen. You saw Gremlins, the first one. Oh that, yes, that's right. That was I our second episode. One. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I did see that one. For some reason, when you said Gremlins in my head, I thought Critters. He's done a lot of kooky, good movies. Yeah. You didn't like this one that much. No. Okay. What did you not like about Inner Space? It was. It dragged. It dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged. And some things in life, I admit, I do have kind of like an ADD, shiny impulse about movies. Not, not really. I can follow a movie much like I can follow a book uh, without getting bored. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes in, maybe 20 minutes and maybe sooner, I was like, I'm bored. I'm bored. Stay awake. I'm bored. I'm bored. Now what? And when Martin Short was on, he was entertaining and he was wonderful and... I adore pretty much anything he does. He could just stand on his head and say, well, I must say, and I laugh. I think he's fantastic. But basically when he wasn't doing shtick, it was like, and then in the last 30 minutes, we're okay. But up until then, it was just pulling teeth. Okay. Best thing about this movie is the the story that goes off the wall. Can you explain this movie in less than 30 seconds without giving away the ending? Just what it's about. Uh, Sure. Go. A hotshot Navy guy uh, is going to be miniaturized and put in a tiny, tiny little spaceship so he can be implanted in a rabbit, but the experiment goes awry. He gets implanted into Martin Short instead, and Martin Short's a hypochondriac, so haha, funny hilarity, chaos ensues. Meg Ryan uh, is Dennis Quaid, the Navy guy's girlfriend in the beginning. She breaks up with him, and then Martin Short and Meg Ryan have to team up to thwart the bad guys who want Dennis Quaid um, and to take over his miniaturized spaceship inside of Martin Short. Ta-da! <laughs> so that's the thing about this movie. It's got a really wacky, crazy story, but I do agree. It's a little bit... It's like 30 minutes over long. Yeah. But the, the thing I like about this movie is it's so, like, crazy, off the wall. It's one of those movies that we like to call the... And then movies where it's like the plot keeps unfurling and going into crazy far off. I just can't corners. imagine being one of the writers in the writers' room during this movie with and like then... post-its covering the wall. They're like, okay, okay, so now he's in his lungs. But what happens if he gets near the stomach acid? Ooh, and then another guy's like, dude, 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 you gotta give him a reason to have, like, acid reflux or something, because that'd be great. It's like, it, it's it's pretty much the, the Body Wars ride from Disneyland or Epcot for people that went to Disney World. Did no you ever do the Body is. Wars? They don't have it at Disneyland. They used to have it, where you're, um, it's like the Back to the Future ride, where, where you're, you have the big screen in front of you. But in Body Wars, you were inside someone's body, like in the spaceship, going going around and the bloodstream and all this stuff. Wow. All right, then. Cool. (laughs) What did you think of Dennis Quaid? 
I like Dennis Quaid. I do too. He was so young looking. I, I couldn't get over it in the very beginning. I went, oh my gosh, Dennis Quaid? You're rather dashing and thin. 87, that was, you know. That was a long time ago. You're doing the math? How many yeah. years? <laughs> oh, wow, that took you too long. <laughs> How many years? 13. Huh. No, wait, 23. <laughs> <laughs> we're really good at math on this show. We both have our degrees, but we're like, mm, no, I, I I knew it, but I know how you are with numbers. So oh yeah, you knew it. Uh huh. You gave me a slight deer in the headlights, mischievous bondit face. I'm like, um. I was drinking my Red Bull vodka. Thank you. Yes, you were. Okay. Uh, uh I like Dennis Quaid. Meg Ryan. Now, here's an interesting thing about Meg Ryan. I like her in pretty much every movie that I see her in, with the exception of that one where she was like a boxer or a wrestler or something like that. But a wrestler? <laughs> no. I missed the Meg Ryan wrestling movie. <laughs> was she like a pro wrestler, like <laughs> WWE? It was like a boxing movie. <laughs> she swore a lot, but. Like, beyond that misstep, I pretty much enjoyed her in everything I've seen her in. This is another misstep. And what? I did not enjoy her in this. Why not? Well, her character kept pissing me off, first of all. Why? I, I was like, stop being such a whiny little bitch, Meg Ryan. And then later on, when she had the gun, and she was just like, I, I'm going to shoot you, and oh, yeah. And she couldn't handle a simple gun. And it gives women who hold firearms a bad name. Just saying. I think I had a crush on Meg Ryan about this time. I mean, between this Top Gun and, uh, you know, Joe versus Volcano yeah. when Harry met Sally. It looked like Ed- Edward Scissorhands did her hair. Did you see? Maybe he did her hair. <laughs> you never know. He wasn't getting paid in, you know, Edward Scissorhands land, so he had to jump movies to do hair for others. I, I guess so, even though he, that was back in time. <laughs> <laughs> he went back to the future. Yeah, he borrowed Marty McFly. But that was the first thing I thought in the very opening scene. I was like, and Meg Ryan has just visited Edward Scissorhands salon. But dude, she used to be so cute. Why she did was. she have to change her face so much? She got insecure. Hollywood actress, you know, it's what they do. She should have called me up when I was a kid. I would have told her how beautiful she was. She was. Uh, and even though she's messed up her face, she's still a pretty woman. Although it's not the same. She's got two hot dog lips. I'm okay. I'm not as educated in plastic surgery, yes. but but when women pump up their lips like that, mm-hmm. they can't. Can they be unpumped, or it's pretty much that's it? It depends on what they're filling them with. Because um, well, you think she would have unpumped them by now if she no had the option. You don't unpump them. Basically, old school is that you fill it with collagen, and over time the collagen wears off or down, which is when you have them reinjected. Nowadays, there's a whole bunch of other fillers on the market. Some are even, like, silicone-based, and those don't, you know, um, disintegrate or uh, wear down over time. So, um, like, a good example is uh, Britney Spears, because she's had her lips filled a a few times, but I think that she's gotten collagen because they always end up going back to normal. Um, They're not as egregious as Meg Ryan's Right, which is what the point I'm trying to make is she probably, and same thing with, like, Lisa Rinna, she probably had her lips filled with something more permanent that doesn't, you know, um, kind of ease down over time. I don't think I'm ready to lump her in with Lisa Rinna. Me either. But I'm saying, that the, but I'm saying they probably used the same filler as opposed to something like natural, like collagen, which will break down over time. I don't know. Hopefully, she has you know another career resurgence, maybe in the wings if she can. I don't know. Get her. She, get whatever's going on with her face. She's just done rom coms forever. If she wants to, you know, Tom, have a, it's Tom Hanks. You know, her and Tom Hanks could do <laughs> again something else. Maybe, maybe, maybe there is room for you know a, a Diane Keaton esque sort of turn for her later on in that genre. But what I she, think what she should do TV. Why doesn't she do TV? She, I, I don't see her making it TV. I actually think that she should try to be a little more serious. I'm not saying like drama all the time but maybe if she did do tv something more along the line of Grey's anatomy like a, a doctorish role as opposed to the you know girl next door role that she's been playing for 30 years hmm you know i could see that well she, she yeah i think she'd be a good doctory role or um a mom or something like that parenthood she, could be on she parent- would be great on parenthood 
Okay. Meg, Meg Ryan's agent. Oh, there you go. Good on Parenthood, dude. I, I remember when the movie started, by the way, and we saw Dennis Quaid, I was like, wait a minute. Is this the good Quaid or the crazy Quaid? I know, man. Oh, Randy his, Quaid. His, his brother Randy has been... Had a little pro- couple problems recently. What he and his wife, um, you know, are in a fight with the law here. But didn't they say something the other day that was just crazy talk before they like fled to Canada or wherever they fled to? They said there's like some weird uh, Hollywood conspiracy against them. And yeah, there have been conspiracies against other actors who have died. Uh, or like Lindsay Lohan, that's a big conspiracy. Sudden, suddenly. I don't think they name-checked Lindsay Lohan. No, they did. They, they did? Yeah. Well, that's when you instantly just stop listening to them altogether. <laughs> no, I, I, I've i kind of just become to think that Randy Quaid is kind of the same character that he played in the Vacation movies. Or in Independence Day. Or Independence Day. <laughs> you know? I hope if the aliens do invade that he's around so we can send him, you know, up in a fighter plane to save the world. I think he would. He would save the world for us. He's he's at that point in his life, I guess, where he's like... What? I fly, I'm pilot. I don't know. I hope he figures out what's whatever's going on. I, and you know, if he wants to be crazy, fine, as long as he's happy. But don't mess with other people. Like... Uh, you he know, just wanted to flee to Canada. Yeah, but the reason... He, he left behind his dog, that was right. kind of sad. Yeah, the reason that he's fleeing to Canada is because he's done some shady crap down here. That affects other people. Tom Cruise is totally off his rocker. But he's not really doing things that affect people out of Scientology. You know? That we know. Well, that we know. <laughs> but back to Inner Space. Inner Space. Oh. Good, good movie, not great movie. Like I said, I think when I was a kid, my little, br- my brother that's three years younger than I. It's my age. We used to watch this and just, we really like geeky, like science, science fiction type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this movie or, um, we love sliders. And oh, I love that. Quantum Leap as kids. So this movie where it was pretty much, uh, if, you know, the regular every man was James Bond cross with honey i shrunk the kids you know you know i'm gonna throw you a bone here okay if i would have seen this movie as a kid because i was into that sort of stuff too i watched sliders i enjoyed honey i shrunk the kids you know Mm -hmm. all that sort of engineering sort of stuff yeah uh i think i would have been more into it seeing it as an adult and plus how incredibly 80s it is and stuck in its you know day it was it was a little and yes it did drag those things combine to be like, is it over yet? Resolution. Oh, good. Martin Short Stick. <laughs> okay, he's off. He's gone now. Is it? Is it over yet? Oh, Martin Short Stick. I thought he was good in this. No, I, 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 I meant that. That, that was the good part. That was the redeeming quality of this movie. Was a Martin Short Stick. Thank so, God for Martin Short. So the favorite part about the movie was Martin Short. Martin Short. Period. Yeah. Period. Okay. His facial expressions. His comic timing. He's he's great in everything he does, even if the movie is not great. I mean, he had pretty much had to act like he was possessed for a good portion of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Far Cry from Frank and Father of the Bride 1 and 2. And, no, um, he's possessed with, you know, super gayness as Frank. Yeah. And what's the other guy that, that he puts in all the makeup for and he's like, I must say. Oh, the talk show guy. That and Ed Grimley. Ed Grimley. Yeah, I must say. <laughs> I love him. He's fabulous. Movie, not so much. What did you think about the character Cowboy in the movie? The guy with the... Well, okay, first, Justin and I have a running joke, you guys, of those Chinese restaurants that somehow also decide to be donut shops. And if you... Or sometimes they're, like, Chinese or Thai vegan. And you walk on the inside, and the menu is always, like, burger section, cowboy burger, steak burger... American burger. Like, and so we have this running joke of like, hey, cowboy American, you wear a cowboy hat. You come in, enjoy burger. And so when we saw Cowboy in this movie, we were like, hello, cowboy American man. You look Texas. <laughs> I don't know how PC that was for you, but <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just talking about about the marriage of donuts with Chinese food. They don't make sense anyway. 
And then and then it's always like American cowboy band. You have five dollar deal. I don't understand. So you're saying you didn't like the character of a cowboy? Uh, no, I'm not saying I didn't like him. I'm saying. What about the guy that had a gun for his finger? That was pretty. That was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I'm saying that the cowboy character provided some extra comic relief for me. Not because necessarily he was funny in the role, but because it reminded me of our inside joke. Now, let me tell you one thing. Okay, say I, you're, you've been miniaturized. I've got you in a syringe. I've been shot. The guy in the movie, the scientist, goes to a mall. Where should I go and where should I take the syringe? Like, I'm, you know, I'm dying here. Brookstone. Brookstone. <laughs> How is that going to help you survive? They're pretty smart there. They've got these, like, really smart chairs. <laughs> they've got like they've got like an exercise saddle. So if I'm dying of a gunshot wound, at least I could go and sit on the saddle with you. You're still in the syringe. You can now work out. <laughs> Here, Chrissy. As I'm dying, at least I'm being massaged. No, I'm, no, region. I'm saying that they're kind of geniusy in there. Like they'd figure something out. They'd be like, we have this this genius iPod deck where it does sleep sounds at night perhaps if we inject her into there she can live in the sounds of the train with the rain it's pain this is one of the dumbest ideas you've ever come out with on this podcast i'm getting it's cold i'm dying i've got you in a syringe miniaturized yeah and i'm going to inject you into one of those stupid like sounds of the whales sleeping CDs or whatever. Hey, do you have any other better ideas? What, are you going to take me to Claire's? Hey, instead of ear piercing, let's shoot her into somebody's ear. Actually, that's not bad. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Cinnabon and put you in one of those big, greasy Cinnabons. You're going to, like, flavor inject me inside? I'm just going to stick you right into one of those things. Then and... I'll come out and I'll be, like, 600 pounds. Whoa, what happened? I'll be like, I've been living off the Cinnabon. One of my favorite uh, scenes in the movie, Inner Space, was when Dennis Quaid's character is inside Martin Short's character, and Martin Short's character is stuck in, like, this creepy cellar with Meg Ryan, and he wants to make out with Meg Ryan, who is, again, Dennis Quaid's, like, sort of girlfriend. So Martin Short says, hey, could you give me a minute? Could you shut down your stuff so oh, I can yeah. make, make out with your girlfriend? And as a kid, I was like, yeah, Martin Short. <laughs> I kind of felt sorry for Martin Short at that point because you know that she's not going to end up with him. And it made me think about, like, the chasm of his career. I'm like, he never gets the girl. He's always the sidekick or the comic relief. Did or... you think he was gay any, at any time during the movie? No. Because I remember when I was a kid, some people say, oh, he, he, is he even interested in Meg Ryan? Or is he just wants he just wants to be, like... James Bond. No, he's little, and I can see how some of his humor can come off as effeminate, but I, no, not gay. Also, um, rest in peace, Kevin McCarthy. He was the um, one of the bad guys in the movie. The oh. guy with the silver hair that had uh, the dog. He was like the Doctor, oh, the hey. Doctor Evil sort of of the story. Yeah, that he um, gets turned into like a Aww. midget guy. Rest in peace. And he was good. He was good. So. Um, is this movie rebootable? Is this a rebootable story? Is this... Mm. No? I mean, it could be Maybe. Uh, modernized pretty quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that they would really just have to, you know, tear the movie down to its bare bones and start over. Um, they'd have to throw a lot out. But it, they could take the premise of it, possibly with a great director, and make it good. Okay. Just saying. All right. J.J. Abrams. What about J.J. Abrams? He could do Inner Space. The reboot. Okay. He's good at reboots. Okay. Just saying. I like Star Trek. <laughs> um, so uh, what are your final thoughts on Inner Space? I have to have final thoughts on Inner Space. Um, cool concept. Terrible execution. Um. They cast some great people in it, which makes me think that maybe the script was pretty good. Uh, it was just too long, the script. Yeah. Because I'm imagining in order to get good people like that involved, you know, they must have seen something in it, you know, in the script and thought, this is great and this is, you know, uh, kooky in a, in a good way. And then 
so if the script was ostensibly pretty good to, you know, snatch the actors and the actors themselves aren't bad, that makes me think that the the missing link here is the direction. Hmm. Okay. I'm just saying. So what would be your final grade for inner space? C minus. C minus for inner space. Yeah. Gotcha. Like I said, in hindsight, this one was better as a kid. Exactly. But still, it was, it's not terrible. It's, well, so it's sliders. Just, if we just, saw sliders now, it probably wouldn't be as good. Well, sliders is cheap television as well. So. I know. I'm just saying, like, as far as, you know, what we were, like, wowed by back then. But do they make... There's not a lot of movies, like, really sci-fi, like, movies like this anymore. Um, Sharktopus. Sharktopus? <laughs> Sharktopus. <laughs> yes. On <laughs> the sci-fi. That's like a sci-fi fantasy for some. Yeah, so is this. Sharktopus. I'm telling you. Sharktopus. <laughs> you just probably, you, you were like, what's the first sci-fi channel movie I could think of right No, now? no, Sharktopus. Like, come on. Crazy off the wall. Not great with the effects. You know. Sharktopus. <laughs> I just mainly think of Joel McHale making fun of him on the soup. Okay. All right. That was pretty much it. Two movies that have nothing to do with each other. Back to back. One great, one not so great. One eh. One eh. And one eh. Wow. It's getting late. Okay. Tired. <laughs> well, two more movies you've never seen before. Down. There you go. Down, down to t- Chinatown. If you guys have any suggestions for movies, uh, please send them our way. You can send them via Twitter at Justin Winters or at Chris Carias Winters uh, or at Justin's website, DudeManFatPHAT.com. Sweet. Sweet. Until next week where we will watch another movie you've never seen before. I'm going to miniaturize you in your sleep. Really? Yep. Am I, I going to be injected into something stupid? I'm going to inject you into one of the dogs. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Be awesome. I'll just like chill out with one of the dogs. Maybe it'd be easier to just cut your hair to a wacky shape. What? Like Edward scissor hands. Don't get close to my hair with huge <laughs> scissor hands. <laughs> You're going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, ah! <laughs> Why am I in this dog and I have a straight shape hair? <laughs> like a present with a bow. <laughs> you really screwed me. Why is my hair shaped like a purse? <laughs> okay, I'm done now. Why am I at Brookstone? <laughs> <laughs> this place is expensive. <laughs> but they let you have free massages. It's great. I do like the massage chairs. I know. Okay. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Till we meet again at Brookstone. <laughs> <laughs>